hello, hello. Happy, let's see, what day is it today? Perfect day, it's Thursday, which means it's our awesome guest day. We have the extraordinary, fabulous, amazing, astronomical Rod Roddenberry joining us today. He's a very dear friend, and of course, he's Gene Roddenberry's son, the creator of Star Trek. Uh, is everybody ready to give him a big hello? Because he's waiting in Zoom for us. Uh, I hope all the Trekkies out there have their questions ready and primed. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let me bring Rod into the room. Do, 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 do. Hello, how hey. are you? Good, good, how are you? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being had. Uh, yeah. What's been going on? I love the unicorn in your background there. Yes, I have many things back here. This is, uh, this is everyone thinks this is Sky's room, but this is actually just my office. <laughs> uh, I've got a cat sitting back here, Digit McFly. Uh, she she nice. lies there mostly all the time. And nice. uh, a whole lot of other shenanigans going on back there. What have you been up to? Uh, not much. I mean, obviously, uh, dealing with things like everyone else is, uh, very fortunate in many ways. Um, I'll be honest with you. I, uh, let me first say I understand that there's a lot of hardships and atrocities going on in the world. So please, when I speak lightly of things, I don't mean to overlook those. Um, however, you know, right now it's given me the opportunity to focus on on projects. I mean, um, I've always been a a worker from home. Um, I believe there are times where a face to face is important, and we have Zoom for that. But otherwise phone calls, you get a lot of business done that way. And I've been able to do work and focus on personal projects and focus on being with my son. So um, there are silver linings and upsides in my life. But again, I recognize that I'm privileged, so. Uh, I am very happy that you're staying safe. And I'm very happy uh, that you are in my life. You've been in my life for, now this is gonna, yeah. this is gonna, this is gonna age us. Uh, Probably yes. a little bit more than 20 years. 20 years now. Yes. Wow, it's been uh, 20 years. Oh, yes, since just like yesterday. And yep. um, I was having some chuckles to myself as I was making my notes, thinking about the very first time that we collided. And I think that that was my first ever Comic Con back in yeah. Sydney. I, I was going to say it was Australia, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was in, remember, it was in King's Cross, which is a, yeah, I do. an interesting part of Sydney, to say the least. Yeah. Uh, yes. And probably how many people do you think were there? Oh, God, I have no idea. I remember, so what I remember from that is sort of the upper, I think, I don't know if it's the upper after party or whatever upstairs <laughs> and sort of a loungy area. Um, I remember you there because, I mean, you're very attractive and I, I just happened to notice those sorts of things. Um, uh, I had never seen Farscape, so, uh, you know, but I knew what it was because I was working on a show at the time called Earth Final Conflict, and they were out roughly around the same time, even though the concepts were different. I loved the, the fact that uh, uh, while CG was kind of happening, there, there was a lot of, it was, it was Henson, right? It, it wasn't mm -hmm. CG, it was real creatures, real animatronics, real, real people in costumes, real makeup. Yeah. And so that was very impressive. Uh, and weren't you a technical advisor on Earth Final Conflict? Uh, yeah, what, that was a homemade title because no one knew what to do with the producer's son. <laughs> and so uh, I was a technical advisor. I gave advice technically. 
because uh, right before that, you were studying to be an astrophysicist, <laughs> were you not? I've been, right, I've been stalking you a bit online. Is, <laughs> yeah. The short version of the story is I goofed off all through high school, was more interested in, in socializing and chasing girls and all and, that sort of and stuff. And the ladies? And the ladies and listening to my heavy metal music and whatever else. Yeah, whatever. I, I thought I was a badass. Turns out really wasn't. Um, anyhow, became inspired by a woman by the name of Sally Balayunas, who was an astrophysicist, and she worked at the Mount Wilson Observatory and at the Harvard-Smithsonian. She was an astrophysicist. But on the side, she would chop hot rods, and she collected World War II vehicles. And, and that blew my mind. Remember, I had a very one-dimensional, shallow, not-too-smart head on my shoulders. And I didn't realize you could be super smart and do really cool things. And so she inspired me. I wanted to become an astrophysicist because I really never paid attention in any math classes. My foundation skills were gone, and it was a... Um, it was an uphill battle, and needless to say, I am no—I am not an astrophysicist today. In case anyone was wondering. What? What? I mean, yeah, that's going to be. Yeah, I know. I know. Does that not have to be like one of the hardest jobs in the universe? <laughs> yeah, I went from yeah zero to well, to to, to the universe without uh, that's thinking about it. That's amazing. I think I may yeah. have. I played a quantum physicist in a in a quantum apocalypse and I'm, I couldn't even pronounce half the stuff I'm like I can barely act like this person you, let probably, alone. you probably know more than I do at this point then <laughs> uh, so what did you think and now you've done many you know comic cons and and what did you think the very first time that you walked into a comic con about the community and I mean Star Trek really kind of paved the way for comic cons right yeah, well, you know, so so I'm told. I mean, I, I do find it hard to believe it was the very first science fiction convention, but people say that. I'm not going to say it myself, but it was definitely one of the first, I would say for sure. Um, you know, my first conventions that I remember, my mother would take me to them as a kid. And since I was born in 74, I certainly wasn't at the first Star Trek one. But I'd say when I was probably six, seven, eight, nine, I started to go to them. There was one at Disneyland at their hotel there. And I believe it was a creation entertainment one, I think. Oh. And we used to do that every year. And of course I loved it because I got to go to Disneyland. But not just Disneyland, everyone was in costume. I mean, if you're a kid and you don't know what conventions are and you're introduced to them, you go to this room where it's Halloween and there's cool stuff everywhere. So to run around that place, see everyone in costumes as a little kid, and then all these cool knickknacks, bumper stickers, pins, costumes, whatever. It was, it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, there's, a, there's a very, uh, we have an amazing German gentleman and it's now like three in the morning so I don't even know how he comes up with questions like <laughs> these but he's like, a, his name's Captain Calvin and he always fires off the tricky questions so are you ready for this one? Oh good. It's, it's a big one. Uh, so he says, question, if one would be inclined to align all the Roddenberry sci-fi shows, would that work? So Earth Final Conflict takes place after First Contact with the mm. Vulcans, then comes Star Trek and Andromeda takes place uh, when the Federation was being taken over by the system's Commonwealth. My, my head just exploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, that's that's great thinking. I've, I've, I've never thought that through. That's... I've never thought. So is he proposing how it would work? It sounds like he is. He's, he's saying uh, if, if one would be inclined to align all the Rodden, Roddenberry sci-fi shows, would that work? 
I, I, it's a very good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, but just hearing what you read, he clearly already knows more than I do in terms right? of lining them up. Um, uh, but, but there's no reason why Earth Final Conflict couldn't have happened earlier. Um, Andromeda, I don't know enough of the backstory about that to really say it, but uh, it sounds like this gentleman does, so I'm going to go with him. I mean, what, I mean, so we've got Quester early on. It depends on how far back we're going. Spectre, well, that could have happened here. Uh, wow. Um, oh, no, there's some post-apocalyptic stuff, isn't there? Well, there was a third world war, according to Star Trek. Oh, wow. <laughs> I now know you've that. got me thinking. They, they go deep. They go deep, Rod. Like, they're, 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 Damn. these, guys are, they're, well these done. guys are very serious here. <laughs> no, well done. Uh, my, my hat's off to you. If I'm, I had a hat, I would take it off gold, to you. Gold stars, Captain. Uh, so yes. we've, got, we've got another question from Scorp Warner. He says, question for Rod. If you would be an officer on Star Trek TOS, would it be an engineer red shirt or some other field? I love these questions. I love these questions because um, they're making me think just a bit here. Well, I, you know, you've already been a red shirt on continues. I have been a red shirt. I have been a red shirt, and my goal was to die as quickly as possible. And there are some outtakes where I do. Um, listen, I'm not smart enough to be an engineer. I would love to be an engineer. That would be awesome. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I guess I love the sciences. I, if I really applied myself, probably the sciences. Um, you know, I'd sadly probably just be one of the cooks in the kitchen. I don't know. Hey. I, I, I don't be, know. You'd be the um, astrophysicist. I'd, I'd, I'd be the astrophysicist, exactly. <laughs> Great questions. So what, how cool was it going to the land of Star Trek continues I had it I got a surprise because I don't know where we were but you said oh yeah I, I you know was in that episode you did of Star Trek continues I was like what because we shot mm -hmm. on different days and then I had to go back and and go through and, and then there you were I was like I cannot believe I'm in an episode of, of Star Trek continues with Rod I'm like oh bucket list yeah <laughs> yeah I, I give it I I give so much credit to actors. I don't know how you act. The minute don't. they put me up there on stage and the camera, co I didn't have to say anything. I just had to do this and give something to the captain. And I don't know what, I get so self-conscious. I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing. This, this is my action and I just, I am terrible at it. You so can't get, I give you, you, you can't get self-conscious. How can you get self-conscious when you go into board meetings with, with when you when you interview George Lucas and the like and JJ Abrams, but you you get self conscious in front of a camera, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> it is weird. What we are all we all have our uh, our abilities. Isn't um, it amazing? I'm not sure that's mine, but we all have our abilities. Uh, in yeah. in the Trek Nation, you're talking about everything you've learned about Star Trek has actually been from the fans. So mm -hmm. can you tell us about one of your most memorable fan experiences? Hmm. Hmm. There's there's a number of them. I, I so I'm gonna kind of rattle off a few smaller ones. Um, I did hear someone once say that they used to sneak tapes of Star Trek uh, through around over the Berlin Berlin Wall. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, which was uh, a, a very punishable crime there. Uh, if anyone ever got caught, I thought that was pretty impressive. When we were doing Trek Nation, and it's I'm sad this never worked out. It was during our, our, our kind of war with Iraq, or at least our whatever you want to call it. Um, I heard that there was a lady who now lived in the U.S., but she was born and raised in Iraq. 
and Star Trek came on the air like once or twice there. Like there were, she had seen an episode and said that there were actual, you know, fans or at least people who, who saw the show and liked it. And, and what I got out of that was, you know, there are, this sounds ridiculous and obvious to say now, but in this country that we were at war with, there were people there just like us who wanted to look at that future and say, wouldn't it be great if we all lived on a planet together in harmony? And it was such a nice contrast to what was going on in society right then to say, wow, okay, there's someone there who looks at the future the same way I do. And, and I really wanted to tell that story, but we, we, we couldn't really, we didn't get any actual information from her aside from someone saying that she said that. And so it wasn't, it's a little bit of hearsay, but uh, how, how cool would that have been? That sounds amazing. Um, yeah. And there were so many powerful stories. I mean, this is what I love about Star Trek. And I'm not, it's not, I'm not saying it's better than any other sci-fi. It's unique in the sense that there have been people my entire life that come up to me and say Star Trek changed my life. It inspired me. It made me believe in this. Everything from uh, uh, how to deal with an abusive relationship and get out of it to as a small person never being told that they could achieve anything, but being inspired by McCoy and now they're doctors in an ER. Um, to, to have a TV show inspire someone in that way blows my mind. And that's why I'm so you know proud of, of my father and the legacy. Because there have been people that have come up to you and they've said, I became an astronaut because of Star Trek and I became an astronomer or astrophysicist and now I work for yep. NASA. Or like, That must be a pre pretty amazing sensation to, to inspire someone on that journey in life. Yeah, no, inspiration's powerful. Uh, Scott Bonner uh, is asking, are you, are you can hear Sky in the background, sorry. She's doing, I do. She's <laughs> doing her vocal exercises. I don't know where she gets it from. Uh, question <laughs> for Rod, are you amazed at what Star Trek has done to inspire people into making the technology of Trek a reality? Uh, absolutely, and, and forgive me if you know this already, and I'm using the royal you, everyone out there. Um, there was a book written by Stephen Whitfield called The Making of Star Trek. And Stephen Whitfield was on the lot, on set, during the original series. And so he wrote a book about the making, obviously. And what he has in it are uh, letters and, and, and uh, correspondence that my father had with Caltech and JPL. And he, my father believed, well, believe, my father, well, my father believed in believability. <laughs> He wanted not just the characters to behave in a believable way in their scenarios, but he wanted the technology to be believable, so to extrapolate from where we were at that day. So he would contact people at JPL and Caltech, and I, I don't know if I got this from the book or if I've just sort of made it up over time, but there are things in it like, uh, we are looking for a non-lethal weapon, uh, the person responded something like, uh, um, well, we currently have the laser, but we're working on the phasing laser. And there, that's where the phaser came from. So it, it kind of connects the dots between those technologies. And what I've realized over the years as I've heard this question is it's been cyclical. Um, my father talked to the scientists and said, what's next? They said, what's next? My father put it in Star Trek. And then that inspired someone to create that technology. And, and it just keeps doing the circle of, yeah, it's great. They're, they're, everyone's feeding off each other. And uh it's fantastic. That's it's growing. Art imitating life or life imitating art. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It is. It is. It's beautiful. Mm. Your family. That's inspiration. 
Rod, your family's legacy has been inspirational to mankind and have created projects that encourage humanity to work together for the greater good. What's one of the projects that you've been most proud of? Oh, that's a, that's a great, um, I, I don't know if this is answering your question, but thank you very much for that. Um, uh, we, we, in 2010, we started the Roddenberry Foundation, a family foundation, a nonprofit. And um, it, since I don't consider myself a big Hollywood writer or producer, yes, I've got these fancy credits on the shows. Yes, I read scripts, I send back notes, but I'm not the guy making these shows. And and I don't want to say I'm not interested, but I'm kind of just really not interested, mostly because of the politics in the industry. Um, I, I'm a little bit more independent. Uh, but what I am proud of is this foundation, and we basically uh, mirrored it on, on the principles in Star Trek, on the Idic philosophy. And uh, we are finding organizations, institutions, and individuals who are working towards the long-term advancement of our species. Um, and, and these aren't Band-Aid solutions. There are organizations out there that are doing solutions like um, uh, uh, critical care for the elderly or, or helping the homeless out. We're trying to create systemic change. We're trying to find the root of whatever it is, if it's heart disease or, or whatever it is. We're trying to find people that are working on the core of what that is and find a long-term solution. And what's important here is that the people working on these things, we all know it might be 10 years, it might be 25 years, it might be 50 years before this is found. But we're teaming up with other institutions and foundations and, and contributing money and, and trying to find the right people who are really focused on making this positive change. So anyhow, I'm very proud of what our foundation is doing and uh, I'm very involved in that and, and I, I'm excited. I mean, it's, it's bringing that Star Trek future to reality. Kez, I was watching yes, Race and yes. Extinction, and I was watching that today. I found it really challenging for me to, to get through because I, I, it, it was so eye-opening and terrifying. And, and yeah. I know that you've always had a, a deep love for the ocean, uh, and I just, it just breaks my heart that we're, we're literally destroying this beautiful planet, and I don't think... I mean, I, I know Mother Earth's having a hard time, but even watching that, uh, the extent that uh, things, uh, creatures are becoming extinct left, right and centre, and it's just terrifying. So what, what's your advice for us to save ourselves from ourselves? <laughs> you know, it, this is a really tough one. At the Foundation, we've been dealing with the environment for years in the sense of, like, how do we make the most impact? Who do we find out there who's making the most impact? And our environment is... A huge issue and there are so many ways to look at it and there's so many perspectives you know I I, I don't want to say how we should I mean listen I can I can say you know recycle um, we've, we I think a lot of us have heard these things of course recycle in fact try to buy things that don't have as much packaging um, uh, uh, eating less meat not because I want you to be a vegetarian but because uh, um, the cattle industry is a huge polluter in our environment um, I, I can I can beat you over the head with these things that you can find online. Um, it, I think the most important thing now is to educate each other. Uh, the hardest part uh, about this is that there are people out there who are just trying to put food on the table. And so when you're telling them um, you can't fish anymore because you're fishing out the oceans, uh, 
it's it's easy for me to tell them that, but it's hard for them to do that. So it's it's the large industries that are breaking the laws that are out there um, destroying our ocean that we need to sort of be worried about. Um, it, it is it is. I don't even know where to begin with it. I know. Um, it's, it's a, a tough it's a one. Big one. <laughs> but we just, yeah, we just need to pay attention and be aware. And I'm saying it, plastics are a huge one. Everything. I can't tell you how many times on this island today that I've used plastic. I've opened plastic, something out of plastic, and that goes right into the trash. Yeah. And on this island, they have to ship it off this island. And I, I don't even know where it goes. I, um, it's, uh, I think in Australia now, they've got rid of plastic bags in grocery stores for good. You have to bring your, bring your yeah. own bags and stuff. I don't even think you can buy them anymore. I think they're trying That's to great. get rid of straws and all that stuff as well. And then now it's, it just seems like there's, we've, we've gone to a whole nother level with this pandemic craziness going on as well, haven't we? There's like, what do we want to worry about today? <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. I, right now, telling people to be environmentally conscious when they're trying to just deal with their own health and their own families and, and, and being out of a job and, you know, all these sorts of things. I, I, I don't want to beat everyone over the head right now. But, you know, here's what I do want to say is that uh, I'm, I'm good friends with Philippe Cousteau of the Jacques Cousteau lineage, um, and he has a, a company called Earth Echo, and they've been doing um, uh, an amazing uh, – they've been doing a series out there called uh, uh, Amazing Planet. And um, if you can look up Earth Echo online, anyone listening, watching this, he, he is a, a stand-up, committed, great guy who's hardworking. He's not just, he's not just leveraging the name. He's actually 100% committed to finding ways to inspire people to, to make the world a better place in terms of the environment. And he focuses on kids. And so if anyone out there is really interested please look to him for suggestions and advice on, on the ocean and, and our environment. He's more of an authority than me. Uh, we've got questions flying in in the chat room. So Carl Wagner wants to know, what do you think of the recent space mission, the one with Elon Musk backing it, and do you think we'll reach the kind of society Star Trek portrayed and have humanity living in space, and would you live in space? <laughs> Well, I would 100% live in space. I that that you sounds would. great. And that's, that well, that's easy to say. Yeah, it's easy to say. Um, I guess if this, he's asking would I live in space full time, um, I, you know, I'd gladly only, go to the space station. Only on Mondays. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I'd la gladly go to the space station for a number of months. That would be wonderful. Um, but am I ready to go live secluded on Mars? Uh, I, you know, once we terraform it or get it a little bit more developed, sure. Um, I, I, I love Elon Musk. Uh, I, I love him because he he put he had a lot of money when he sold his uh, was it PayPal I think PayPal, and he invested all of it into his space and car company and and basically almost lost all of his money because Tesla was not successful. I mean at first 2012 uh, he was he was borrowing money from friends just to, to keep it going. Wow. Um, but everyone who told him it couldn't be done, he had a vision. He was intelligent. He's an engineer. He was doing it for the right reasons because he wanted to do, bring electric cars in because combustion should be a thing of the past soon. Um, and I, 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 I love his passion and his commitment and how he's driven. I know he said some crazy things on the internet, things that sometimes I don't even agree with. Um, I've heard that he can be difficult 
but he is he's got a vision and if you're not part of his vision you're probably in the way so i respect <laughs> that and i appreciate that um yeah let's yeah what about if you were an alien and you had a superpower what would it be light up for a bit <laughs> uh, oh okay oh i know i'm pretty sure i, I guess your first one well, yeah, I, I don't know if I can say that on here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, morphing sounds pretty great, I guess. Uh, being able to become anything, not necessarily because I want to snoop on anyone. Oh, man. I, I, being able to travel anywhere instantly, teleportation. That'd be cool. That'd be amazing. That'd be cool. <laughs> that, that, no, no, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Oh, that would be cool, yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to be cool for a long time. And You're it's, cool. It's been... You're very cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that I love that question. Um, I, maybe teleportation. If that's if that's a superpower, I would love to just beam anywhere instantaneously. Uh, I want to talk a bit about Trek Nation and. Uh... So you were saying in the early days you were actually. Well, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, I, you're not I, used I, to. I'm interrupting you. No. You know, this is, I know this is kind of one way and you're doing this, but what would be your superpower? No, this is not how this interview goes down. I'm, I'm, there, there are no rules. Are Dang there it? rules? Let me ask um, your, your, your fans. Are there rules? Are there, there are, no are there rules? rules? Don't ask them. Don't, listen, earmuffs everybody. <laughs> what would be my superpower? Uh-huh. Okay, to, to always remain in a state of love. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Like to always just cheesy, be, but good. I know like it's really good. But, but you know, like to always be l like Zen and like not, not like just, just to, to be. Yeah, no, I in, listen. Not in love, like love, 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 but just to no, always no, exude it. love and see love because life has been super challenging. And I think that it's like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you know, the perspective gun kind of thing. It's like maybe yeah. that, that would also be handy at times, but to be, um, to just always go forward with love, if that makes any sense. Rod's that's like, beautiful. Bleh, bleh. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, listen, that's beautiful. I feel like, I feel terrible for having mine now. I want to take yours. I, I thought yours was for sure going to be x-ray vision. I was surprised that that didn't come up. <laughs> just because you're a boy. <laughs> just because I'm a boy and I want to, yeah. Because you're a boy. Anyway, yeah. so uh, back to They have websites for that now. <laughs> you don't need the x-ray vision. Uh, so, uh, Trek Nation, what a journey. Mm -hmm. So you were saying in the early days you were actually uh, more of a fan of Star Wars than Star Trek, huh? You even had Star Wars birthday cakes. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up, uh, what did it come out in, uh, was it 80, 79? I, I forgot when it came out. Wait, am I years off? Well, whatever it was, I saw it in the theater and I saw it over and over and over and I just loved Star Wars. And granted, I, I mean, I'm still a Star Wars fan in the sense that I, I love all the movies. Granted, I, I, I have issues with the most recent ones and kind of wish they were different. But um, yeah, I, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Star Trek and Star Wars can coexist, no problem. They are in completely different universes. Uh, although that gentleman we spoke to before, the captain, could probably find out a way to bring those together. But anyhow... Um, <laughs> I, I, they're, they're great and they're different and I love it. Um, Star Wars is a great adventure story. 
I love uh, the scene in the car when you're practicing your questions for George Lucas. <laughs> so why what, the fuck do you do this? Exactly. <laughs> I was like, ah. Were you terrified? Were you excited? What do you What do you think? Because you never. You uh, it's met definitely him a little that? bit of both. Yeah. Definitely a little bit of both. Was he cool? Um, I. So he was very cool. We have uh, the the believe it or not, we put this out on DVD back when DVDs were a thing, and there was an extended version that had the full interview with him, and he said some pretty amazing things. But at first, we were told he could only give us twenty minutes. Right. But then once he realized we were an actual film and we're not asking ridiculous questions, he stuck around for about 45 minutes, which was nice. And uh, we got to present him with a Star Trek phaser, uh, phaser one and phaser two at the end. And um, it, it was, it was, uh, he was, he was very respectful. And he said things like Star Wars stood on the shoulders of Star Trek. He was very polite and humble and respectful of the two worlds. So I, I really appreciate it. It was a great experience. So do you, I mean, you've, you've grown up really in the industry. So have you, have you ever had moments where you have fanboyed out over anything or are you, are you too cool for that? Are you too used to the life? No, it's funny. You mentioned Elon Musk. Um, I've had the opportunity to run into him a couple times. And actually, um, I'm very privileged. I have a Tesla and took a tour of the Tesla factory in no. Fremont. And, and it was just a private tour. It was way, way back, maybe 2013. Wow. And um, as we were walking the floor, there he was talking to one of the technicians. And I kind of <gasps> said, oh, well, I've got to say something. I, Mr. Musk, um, it's, a, it's a real pleasure to meet you. And he kind of looked away and you know, he kind of shook my hand. And I introduced myself and I, I said, I'm a, a real fan of everything you're doing and all that. And he kind of nodded and smiled graciously and then that was it. I mean, what what do you say to Elon Musk? He's he started a space company, a car company. These things that normal humans wouldn't even think of starting. Um, I, so yes, I was fanboy because I was like, yeah. I put him in this category of like, I, I don't know what to say to the man. How are things? How's it hanging? Well, I mean, what what do you say to Elon Musk? High five. Even though he's <laughs> yeah, he's probably a normal dude. And I would be fun to hang out with, but I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know even how to connect with him. So, what was that journey like? Because uh, uh, with the Trek Nation, so you were saying that you knew one side of your dad, and the world, the universe knew, you know, this other side of him. And like, I feel mm -hmm. like when I was watching that, I kind of felt in an interesting way that I felt like I could connect with you a bit there because uh, dad my dad growing up was big in the entertainment industry and entrepreneur and um, was a showbiz man and uh, you know films and television and whatever and Australia had never seen anything like him and to be right. hon honest with you as kids we couldn't care less we just wanted our dad we right. wanted our dad to rock up at the sports event we wanted the you know what I mean we wanted him to make sure not miss the next birthday because he was too busy on tour with the Bolshoi Ballet or whatever else, you know? So it was, so what was that like speaking to all these people that had deep connections with your dad years later and everything? And, and that must've been quite a journey. Well, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, um, it, it uh, the, the, the journey of Trek Nation, the documentary was far bigger than just making the film because it, it took 10 years, but it took 10 years of making mistakes because I had never done anything like this before. Um, and we were sort of figuring it out as we went. But 
when I spoke to people, and we spoke to you know friends, family, fans, luminaries in the industry, I had conversations with them. Our interviews were 45 minutes to two hours. We had hundreds of hours of footage, and I learned a tremendous amount about my father. I've, I've said this before, and it's always a weird thing to say. Um, I learned more about my father now that he was dead than I think I might have if he were alive, only because I don't know if I would have asked the questions I asked now that he, was, that he had passed. By no means am I saying I'm happy he's no longer with us, uh, but it was a, in its own way, it was an amazing opportunity to learn so much because in this documentary, I wanted to humanize him because um, everyone always comes up, com came up to me and, and said, great bird of the galaxy, Gene Roddenberry, they put him on a pedestal. And how does a son identify with that? I needed to find the people who also didn't like him and, and had negative things to say. And that was incredibly valuable because I was able to hear that and I was able to hear the positive and I found my father in the middle. And when you find someone in the middle that's, that's realistic, they've got faults and flaws and, 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 and they did things that, that you don't think are right necessarily, that was great because I could, I could identify with him, I could connect with him and I could love him. It's true. It's true. It's like it's so. It's such a relief when you realize people are real. You know those people that are down to yeah. earth, and you're like, well, this is who I am, like it or not, kind of thing. And I'm not trying to hide anything that I'm I'm about. And you, it's so refreshing because you you know what you're getting. Yeah. Uh, Captain yeah. Cal. Sorry. Oh, and I just, it, it still doesn't take anything away from the fact that he created this amazing no. series, which means any flawed, screwed up person, me anyone can create something amazing like that yeah. even if they are making mistakes in life that's that's the message that that it, it it had for me and you came on from such a journey as well because originally he wasn't a writer right he went from a, a pilot to a policeman to a, and then started working on the cop shows writing for the cop shows and yeah then world war ii pilot transcontinental airline pilot, uh sergeant in the lapd uh writer uh, that's, I mean, and each one of those were huge parts of his life. Isn't that amazing? And then there's, that, there's that really beautiful scene where you're listening to the the audio that he recorded from, what was it, like 76, two years after you were yeah. born? How was that? Yeah, yeah. That's actually a great album. Um, it's called Inside Star Trek, not to be confused with the documentary that was called Inside Star Trek, but... Uh, uh, those of you who haven't heard it, I highly recommend go to YouTube now, do Gene Roddenberry Inside Star Trek. It's fun. It's fun, and it's my father just as himself talking about Star Trek, the philosophy, and then he interviews Shatner, and he interviews, uh, uh, not Leonard Nimoy, but um, the guy who played uh, Spock's father. I'm so sorry. Mark, Mark Leonard, I think is his name. Anyhow, uh, DeForest Kelly. And then just talks about why he created Star Trek and how he believed that the audience wasn't stupid. The audience was intelligent, so he wanted to make a show that was for an intelligent audience. Uh, Captain's got a few more questions for you, Rod. Uh, for you, let's see. Bring them on. Imagine tomorrow, say at noon, <laughs> an alien okay. materializes out of the blue in Berlin or Washington or, Washington, or next to you. Uh, how do you think we would react? Great question. <laughs> I'm a little worried right now um, as an American. I think they might already be here. 
Yeah. As a human first, but an American second, um, I'm not exactly proud of what's going on in our country. I am proud to be an American. I am proud in the concept of America. I'm a proud of our achievements in America and the world as a whole. But right now there are some things obviously that I'm not proud of. We are, are reacting. We are reacting with fear in a lot of ways. We are acting uh, without really understanding, trying to understand and being empathetic to others around us. I would be concerned that there would be a significant group of humans that would react that way with an alien and have fear and, and choose to defend slash attack as opposed to try to understand and make peace. Um, so I, I would be concerned. I would be very concerned. And right now, uh, I do believe there's life somewhere out there. I don't necessarily think they're visiting us. I, it would be great if they were. I have a friend out there who, who uh, 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 kind of follows that. Um, but if they're, if they're flying by right now and if they're paying attention to what's going on, I wouldn't be surprised if they said, you know what? We're just going to give you guys another century or so before we make contact. Yeah, you guys down. need to figure your shit out. Just yeah, calm yeah. down. Calm the yeah. F down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Should I not cuss? Sorry. No, no, no. You can cuss. I'm trying to behave because okay. I'm a mum, but it's not working very well. <laughs> well, I'm a dad, but I'm okay. Uh, so as an author, uh, this uh, he thinks about stories and he's asking to himself, how do you think that this virus will factor into the entertainment industry in storytelling? What would be creative ways in the entertainment industry to tell stories and circumvent coronavirus or include coronavirus in the storytelling? It was funny because we had, I was chatting to Rockney um, O'Bannon who uh, is a, one of the creators of Farscape and also copious amounts of other amazing productions and he's working on Evil at the moment for CBS. And mm -hmm. um, he was saying they don't, it, they're, they're having a, challenge they're like do we have everyone in masks do we not have everyone in masks what do we like how are you gonna it's like what do we how do we move forward from this point like i'm like no it's very odd isn't yeah. it Lots of yeah yeah no it's 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 rattling things up for sure i mean again going back to my earlier comments i know this is a hardship for a lot of people so i, I please take my jest as uh not ignoring that um i i I, I don't know I don't know how I don't know how this fits in I don't know how it fits in in reality like you were just saying how productions are gonna gonna start up I think things just have to be on hold for a while um, it, the the only thing I keep focusing on sadly is, is sort of what I'm seeing and hearing on the news which and and by the way I, I, I am I am disgruntled quite a bit by by uh, a lot of the news. I mean, all media these days. I mean, listen, I'm 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 not a Trump fan, um, uh, and I don't even want to talk about politics. I just think he's a rotten person. Um, but but if I have empathy for him, I've got to go back and say he is the way he is because he was brought up in a way to be to have that sort of behavior. So then it's his parents' responsibility, and then who you can go all the way down the chain. Um, I'm, but I'm trying to be empathetic. Um, it's just hard. I, I don't know how things are going to unfold out of this. I mean, we'll definitely get through it. I just don't know how far it's going to go. Yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty surreal time, isn't it, on so many levels. Yeah. And so now more than ever, it feels like we need to embrace the 
whole philosophy of that Star Trek has inspired us with really if you break it down which is look after each other and and be accepting and and maybe wouldn't it be a perfect world if we did do follow the idic philosophy you know and yeah. just be, just everyone calm down and have respect for each other and wash your hands <laughs> yes well and the gg philosophy of love oh, you know and empathy uh, absolutely um having empathy anytime what I just attempted to do by saying I'm not a believer in Trump and think he's a rotten person, but then I tried to be empathetic and say, is, is, is he a rotten person or is he a product of how he was raised? Um, and, you know, I would say he's a product of how he was raised. So I'm being empathetic. I'm trying to look deeper into it, but instead of just calling him an idiot, which is what I would normally do, uh, why is he the way he is? what harm what 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 happened in his life to make him be so fearful and narrow-minded uh and how do we not do that and how do we change that you know so i mean just taking those steps each one of us to try to look at things a little bit deeper i, I think that's part of the idic future i think that's part of being empathetic and i think that's part of uh, uh intellectually evolving uh Mr. Roddenberry, I'd like to speak a little bit about White Room 02B3, please. That camera is <laughs> insane. How did you come yeah, up with yeah. that? Was that your idea or was it an idea no. that someone bought to you or talk me through that Tr one? Cause, and how many takes did it take to get that? <laughs> so that really wasn't my baby. Uh, Trevor Roth, my business partner who really runs Roddenberry Entertainment, uh, um, he and Tori Mel came up with that idea. And it was back before... A, and so this is a film that was shot in with a 360 degree camera, not a 3D camera, 360 degrees. So that's, you know, the entire room gets shot at once. That's a little bit commonplace now. I think we can buy cameras on Amazon for a few hundred bucks that do that. Uh, this was before that. So it, it was in a room. So think about it. If you've got a camera that films all the way around, well, the director can't be standing in the corner anywhere. You can't have the crew anywhere around. So we created an enclosed set put the camera in the center of the table and put actors around and each take had to be a single take you being an actress actor you 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 do a scene and then they shoot the other scene where you don't you're not in it but maybe you respond or, or give lines but you can be making faces you can do whatever everyone had to be on their a game during the shot and it had to be a single shot all the way through and the minute one person screws up take a new take and so uh, it, it was. Um, it was quite a challenge, from from what I heard. You, so, so you weren't. You didn't. You weren't on set or anything like that for that one. No, I was on set for one day, but I actually went, ended up going on uh, a trip <laughs> after that. Well, no, I was. I had a scheduled trip, so I, unfortunately, I, I, I wasn't around for that. But that, that was not my baby. Um, but it was pretty impressive. Was that the first? That was the first camera of its kind. Yeah. Was that a new? Oh, yeah, new I, invention? I don't think I can. I don't know that it was the first one of its kind in this world. I'm sure there were other ones out there, but they weren't common. They were rare, and this was a unique camera. Someone had put it together to make it work this way. So we were one of the first people using it. Um, and we were one of the first people to create a story using it. People, it was used in music videos and stuff like that, but I can't say we were the first, but we were certainly one of the first to use it to create a story. Uh, I want to go back to your scuba diving adventures just before we wrap up. What's been oh, one of I don't want to wrap up. That's what, it. Oh, all right. Don't tempt me with a good time. Five hours later. <laughs> um, what did you uh, 
what's been one of your coolest scuba diving underwater adventures? Because you you are a big fan of the, the mysteries of the water, aren't you? What are you? Absolutely. Are you, are you, what star sign are you? You got water in there. What are you? Uh, uh, Aquarius. Oh. Aquarius. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, there's some water in there, I think, somehow. Um, there's got to be because you, you're obsessed with it. I, I well, it's a magical world. Um, it, it really is a magical world. I've had every feeling possible underwater. I mean, I've had uh, uh, excitement, exhilaration, fear, anxiety. I mean, I'm, but I mean, in a good way. I've had all of these things to to go underwater and be next to a, a sunken ship that's a few hundred feet long and to just swim right along it. There is something magical. There is having something that big next to you and just floating there. Um, we did a night dive. We called it the red shirt dive. Uh, I ran a group <laughs> called the Roddenberry Dive Team. And we once a year did something called the red shirt dive. And don't worry, on these dives, we, we actually were trying to make sure everyone came back. Um, but, but it was a midnight dive on the um, San Diego. There's a wreck in San Diego. I'm, it's, I'm blanking on it. Uh, it's been a little while. Anyhow, there's a Canadian Coast Guard ship or Canadian ship down there. A midnight dive on it. It turned out to be the water was glass, and as we went down, the visibility was spectacular. And we did this dive. Normally, there's usually some current or surge, and it's hard to get around. Able to do the whole ship there and back. We have flashlights, and it was just amazing. And I remember coming up on the line, on the anchor line, you do a decompression stop at 15 feet, and the bioluminescence, you waved your hand like this underwater, and I, I, I've, I've never done LSD or anything, but I mean, it must have been the same thing because you do this and you see these waves and these streaks and any kind of movement you made, there's this beautiful glowing trail. Wow. The moon was out so you could see without a flashlight. It was like the most beautiful, magical, surreal experience I've ever had. And, and I've, I've been dying to, to do that again. Um, it, just everything lined up perfectly. So to be out of this world and in another and have it be magical, that, that was it. I mean, that was just, oh, I, I think about it often. And you've likened it My to, happy place. to space exploration uh, before, you know, because you are surviving on a device and there are weird mm -hmm. aliens surrounding you and you're floating in the abyss. Yeah. Uh, so Light and Passion would like to know, a question for Rod, given some of the social elements Gene wanted to show in Star Trek but the studio didn't think would be accepted, how do you think he'd see the current social revolutions and changes that validate his views on the future society? Another fantastic question. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm, I'm answering it. Um, you know, I... I don't, I don't want to say this is what my father would think. I can tell you what I think he would think. I just, I, I usually just don't want to go on record saying that, that I know exactly what I think. My father was a forward thinker, obviously. He was way ahead of his time, whether it was uh, uh, racism, sexism. I mean, he, he was such a forward thinker that I'm sure I could bring up things on this show that would make people twist their heads sideways. You know, when it came to a religion, uh, sex, government, um, he would often get into a, a room with his peers, people he knew, and there would be the topic of the day, whether it was religion or politics. He would often argue the opposing point of view 
just to get people to think, really? not to be sensational, yeah. but just to get them to think. So he would say, well, I think we should legalize all drugs. Yep. And when you're in a room full of stodgy old men or men yeah. and women and say that, you know, people are like, oh, my word, who would say such a thing? But just to trigger. Oh, damn it, my father would say such a thing to trigger that. And he would argue the point. And I think that's, we're, we're missing a bit of that today because we are so reactionary and so judgmental of anyone online who says anything. Um, if someone provides a, a, sense, a, a point of view that, that is a little contrary to theirs, they get skewered. There's not, and there's, I not think, there's not much discussion, is there? It's just, rah, no. people jump down yeah, each other's no, throats. Yeah, no, it's hostility and anger. And I'm, listen, I'm not saying everyone's like that, but online, there is a large percentage of that. Therefore, I've just kind of given up online going out there and trying to be open-minded and talk about things and have great conversations because I just don't want to deal with the person who comes on and, and doesn't give a well-thought-out counter-argument. I'm fine with someone disagreeing with me, but disagree with me for these reasons. Have a rational discussion about it. That is great. You might point something out that I missed and I'll go like, you know what? I never thought of that. That is, let me incorporate that into my views. Maybe I'll change mine. That that's how it should work, um, in a perfect world. But uh, I, 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 yeah, I don't think I answered your question. I went on my own rampage there. But um, it was good. It was very good. I would give it my a my father would definitely not really. My father, I think, would want us to be further along than we are in terms of our evolutionary intellectual development, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, everyone wants to know what you're watching or what is it, what what shows do you like to watch movies and television? Uh, I'm all over the place. I just finished watching Breaking Bad because I'd never seen it. Wow. Everyone said it was spectacular. Yeah, everyone said it was spectacular. And it was wonderful. Uh, with Brian Cranston or whatever, I now I understand. He's an incredible actor. That was a a great show. It's not a subject matter that I was very interested in, um, but I, I do appreciate how well done it was. Uh, what else do I watch? You know what I've started to do? I watch YouTube stuff, like everything on YouTube. Everything from things that I would be embarrassed to tell you to like okay. product reviews. You know, there, there are these channels out there of people who test as seen, as seen on TV products to does this motor the different motor oils and which is the best i watch weird stuff like that and that is sort of my time to tune out and kind of like just uh let the day fade away yeah and just narrow in onto this i don't want to say it's not important stuff but, but just chill zone yeah you know after watching news and, and dealing with a day of stuff and, and hearing what's going i just uh yeah I, Tell, tell me which motor oil is, is, the, is the best for my engine, please. I, I'd be curious. <laughs> uh, they're saying sorry about all the Star Trek questions, but have you played the Star Trek online game? Uh, and in fact, what are your favorite games? I have, so I have not played the Star Trek online game. And I'll tell you why. Um, I didn't even play World of Warcraft. I didn't play any of these games because I don't want to get hooked on them. Not because I think they're bad. I am worried that if I like this, I, I can't fit it into my life. I'm, I'm going to be, my world is gonna be turned upside down and I, I, won't, I won't take care of my child or something or I'll lose, I'll, I won't focus on work. So 
I avoid these things because I'm scared I'm going to like them too much. So it's a bummer of an answer. I don't, I don't know anything about them. I've heard they're great. Uh, the, the games that I have played in the past that I love, well, just for an example, I named my dog Halo. And that came from, I think, the 2010 release of, was it 2010 uh, or 2001? Whatever, of the game Halo. And I loved Halo, and I've played every single one, and I've finished every single one. Um, and I'm waiting for the next one. But every time one of those comes out, I usually buy the console because <laughs> I don't have it and then play that and finish it. And then I kind of never use the console again, which I did because it's a waste. But I love the Halo series. Uh, have you ever, what do you play? Do you play anything? Uh, Mario, always Mario. Simple, Mario? just old school Donkey Kong, Mario. Uh, Sonic, like old school. And wow, yeah, the Sega simple. days. I wasted a lot of years just being a naughty teenager sitting on the couch playing Mario. Well, we'll let you get back to your beautiful family. Um, where are you? Where are you? Where can people find you? Uh, oh. And are you creating anything new right now that you can speak about or are you just in, in, in cruise mode? It's not that you can't find me online. I've just, I've kind of, uh, I don't want to say I've stepped away from social media. I just don't do it. It's an, it's an, it's like gaming. It's, um, it's, it, if I get into it, it'll be too much. And I don't, I don't need to have an online personality and I don't need to have followers. And sorry, that I hope that didn't come out wrong. I, it, it's not my goal to have followers. It, my goal is to love people and, and, and have people love me and make friends and, and, and get along with people. But I'm not trying to make my numbers go up because um, I'm not really pushing anything. Uh, I, I, sorry. So I guess you can find me at Roddenberry.com, um, and that's where you'll see the projects we're doing. The one project that I am excited that I can't say much about is um, the new Pike series, Strange New World, mm -hmm. as it's currently called. Uh, for those of you who watched the second season of Discovery um, and, and know something about Star Trek, they brought in the Pike character. And the gentleman, Anson Mount, who played that character, who I'd never really seen before, um, but he, he was in, I think, Hell on Wheels and other things. He, his first time aboard the Discovery ship, the first time he addresses the crew, he does it with authority, he does it with humility, he does it with respect, he does it with humor. He, he, he knocked Kirk out of my second place position as favorite captain. Ooh. Picard is number one, and now uh, Pike, uh, Anson Mount as Pike is number two. Gosh. Um, just because he would be a captain I would follow, that character. Um, and to be completely honest, most of you are gonna hate me for saying this, Kirk would not be a character I'd follow because in reality, he would have gotten the ship blown up many times. <laughs> by sleeping with some female alien or, or hitting the wrong guy. But um, so, so the new Pike series, they are looking to go a little bit more back to uh, exploration, uh, what it is to be human, um, ethics, diversity, back to the fundamentals of Star Trek is currently what I'm being told. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, I'm really excited about that. So I, I haven't really let anything out of the bag, but I, I hope you guys check it out. And, and we'll see. We'll see. We're excited. Yeah.
Uh, thank you so much for popping in and and sending lots of good good vibes your way and and uh, hopefully we can all hang out soon uh, in the flesh. Thank you, thank you. And I, I have two more things to promote. Sorry, quickly. Oh, good. Uh, uh, Mission Log Podcast. So everyone, just uh, podcast.roddenberry.com. Uh, there's a podcast I've done for the last, or I've produced for the last uh, seven eight years called Mission Log. We we go through every Star Trek episode and and find the morals, myths, and meanings. We do it with some wit, some humor, some fun. Um, so please check it out if you haven't. And also something that no one knows about that we're going to be announcing soon, but since it's something that that Roddenberry and well Sansar created, I can say it. Um, I've I've gotten into virtual reality a bit, and there's this company out there called Sansar, and uh, they've created they've allowed users to create worlds and we've got the Roddenberry Nexus in there and we are starting yeah. a scavenger hunt coming up in the next couple weeks. And you don't have to have VR. This can be done 2D on a normal computer. Unfortunately, right now it has to be a PC, but we're gonna do a, a scavenger hunt throughout many worlds and there will be prizes and it's gonna be a really cool thing that anyone can do at home that has a computer. So it should be a lot of fun. That sounds amazing. That's all done promoting and then, and then and then yeah. and then we love you rod thank you for coming love you guys too you're thank amazing you. amazing amazing stay safe and um, thank you you too see you soon live long and prosper everyone live long and prosper bye bye oh, he's so cool we love rod we love rod so there you go. I saw that question, Chris, but I felt cheeky to ask. <laughs> so uh, on wrapping it up, ladies and gentlemen, critters and creatures, um, I am going to show you a couple of things. Uh, so <clears throat> on Friday, we hang out in Zoom, okay? And it's gonna be lots of fun at 6.15 which is here. We're going to hang in the land of Zoom at 6.15. You can pick your tickets up here. Uh, there's the link in the chat room. And then we also have a hashtag, which has been uh, released on Dust that I want you guys to check out. It's a beautiful little film that we did. I'll pop the... So, uh, tomorrow my sister is going to come on and she maybe will paint for us Juju's obsessed with me painting I don't know why <laughs> and my beautiful sister Sasha is going to uh, tune in from Magnetic Island and my mum might be on on there as well uh, but she's going to come tomorrow and uh, we're going to have a fun chat with each other and then uh, alright so I'm going to sing you some songs. All right, let's do this. <clears throat> okay. Slowly 
jam for Barney Guy. Monkey finger issue. Coca-Cola, he said, I know you. I know you. I know you. Yeah, you. He went on Shushan, he got told Jeff for Barney Monkey finger issue, Coca-Cola, he said, I know you, you know me, one thing I can tell you is we got to be brave, be together all together see you tomorrow my beautiful sister's gonna join
the oh stuck to my chair. My beautiful sister's gonna join at uh, 5 p.m. same Twitch time, same Twitch place, and uh, I'm gonna leave you with a little um, a little uh, teaser of beautiful hashtag that you can check out on Dust. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Welcome to your new celebrity franchise. Open the door to the rest of your life. Four, three, two, one, ready, go. Oh, I'm gonna love all over you. X, what is your status? If you want to be successful, love what you're doing. Submit. Submit. Product flash. No, you are the best friends. You're bringing social media to the next level. Be famous. I wish I was you. The ultimate influencer. The ultimate celebrity. The ultimate you. You will have all the friends you've been dreaming of. Make their choices for them. You've opened the door to the rest of your life. Fame. Fame is just a heartbeat away.